It's good to see you tonight. I want to tell you, I'm just going to share this with you. Uh, Apostle Carl asked me to come tonight, and of course I said yes. Anytime that I can say yes to Carl Meyer, I do. I do. Because I, I love him with all my heart, and I'm behind him 100%. Always have been. He is so anointed with the Spirit of God in what he does. And I'm, I'm glad, I'm honored to, to be his friend. Um, tonight, I want to tell you, though, that there is something that this room reminds me of an incubator that I bought. It's very small, and it won't hold but six eggs. But it's a looking glass that you can just see inside of it as glass, and you're watching something hatch, and my grandkids love it. They love to, to watch the eggs hatch right now. Um, Apostle Kyle's got it because his kids is watching the eggs hatch. And it more or less it's been passed around. But Dominion Sumter is kind of like that. Because every time I come in here, it's just like Pastor Bev said. We have the honor of coming. And there's something that is here that just draws me back. Is something that is, is hard to explain. But every time that I come, it's almost like getting put on a supercharger and getting charged 100% for whatever's coming ahead. But I know that God's got us in an incubator for some reason. It's gonna, something's going to come out of this. And it won't always be this small. It won't always be this intimate. And the glory will change. It won't go away. But it's going to move from glory to glory. Amen. I want to read a scripture to you from Esther. Then I'm going to talk to you for a long time about how we got here. And then I'll talk to you about for about two or three minutes on what I want to tell you tonight. I had a, a sermon prepared. I don't like change in the moment. But the Lord changed what I was going to do yesterday. And it really changed in the strangest of ways. But I'll tell you about that later sometime maybe. But I'm going to give you a word tonight that I really am confident that God sent here for Dominion Sumter and for somebody that is in this room, probably all of us that are in this room tonight. In Esther chapter 4. I want to read to you a couple of very familiar passage of script, passages of Scripture. And we're going to start with the part where Mordecai is bringing word to Esther about the annihilation of his people. We'll go up back and talk about how we got to this point. With all the king's servants in verse 11, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know, Esther's reply to him says, that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one whom the king holds the, out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace or any other 
than all the other Jews, any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have, been, have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I've heard many times preached about the time as this, and I believe that such a time as this has come upon us, and we've been called to the earth for such a time as we're living. 2023 is a strange time, but it is a time when the Spirit of God is moving so strong in the earth, and we see that by all the chaos that's happening. I'm telling you that in what we see in the world and what you see happening in the earth and what you see on the news, it's like a, a, somebody from heaven kicked a fire ant mound. And we see all the ants just running around, but something kicked that, something caused that. And what the world is doing is responding to something that heaven is bringing in the earth. And what the world wants you to do is look at all the things that's happening out there and not what God is doing. But God is doing something great in the earth, and the enemy is corresponding. He's sending a counterattack, and it looks like chaos. But I want to see how did we get to this place where this lady is having to petition for the life of the people. And she answers, Mordecai, you fast for three days and get everybody to fast. I'll get my mates to fast. Then I'll see what I can do. But when we go back and we start in the beginning of this book, and we're looking at Esther chapter 1, I want to preach the whole book to you in about five minutes. We see this king, and this king, they call him in the Bible, I would say, um, Asherus, Asherus. And I didn't know until sometime Friday night or yesterday because sometime I just read commentary because that's how you learn stuff. But God led me to look this up just a couple of days ago. And on yesterday, God gave me a revelation about something that I want to share to you tonight. This king is probably a king whose name you've never heard of unless you know what his real name is. But his real name is Xerxes. And if you've ever watched the movie 300, you know who that is. Because he's the one that came against Greece. And that is the real king that came against Greece, Xerxes. That's him. And this time period that this is happening where this king is coming against Greece is the exact time that Ezra went back to build the, the temple. And it's 40 years prior to Nehemiah going back and build the wall. That's when this young girl that was born in bondage named Esther is coming into the picture. And the Bible says about her, and, and this always makes me wonder, Kevin, this is the guy in me, that she was lovely and beautiful. I'm like, man, because she was both lovely and beautiful. And that's something right there. I don't know, but that girl had to be something to look at. I'm telling you that. But I'm thinking that she was beautiful inside and out. I believe that's why the Bible said that she was lovely and beautiful, that she was beautiful inside and out. But she had not lived an easy life. Now, I want you to listen to this because this matters. This girl's mother and father had been killed. The Bible tells us that they were killed. We don't know how they were killed, but they were killed. And she was raised by her uncle. No mama had raised this kid. She was raised by her uncle. And now she gets the big pleasure of being introduced to Xerxes, who was an absolute lunatic according to history. 
Do you know when he was going to attack the, uh, Greece, and then when Esther starts in chapter 1, there was a seven-day feast. History aligns that that seven-day feast was a feast that he gave in advance of going to attack because he knew he was going to win. And he had had people to build bridges across this great um, inlet right close to the ocean where he could walk, soldiers could walk across to Greece. And to give you an idea of this man's mentality, who we're talking about, this king, this man had engineers build those bridges and a big storm come right before the invasion and blow the bridges down and he beheaded every one of those engineers. Not only that, he had all of his captains to walk out in the sea and whip the sea with 300 lashes because the sea rebelled against him. And then they took hot pokers. They got metal hot like you would brand something with and stuck it in the water to punish the water because it didn't obey him. That's what history says. That's who this was. And we come around here, you know the story if you read about how he got rid of his first wife just because she wouldn't come. She didn't come when he called him. Man, what a situation. And so the men had this idea, his, his leaders, let's get every young and pretty virgin girl and we'll bring them all into a one house and we'll get them ready for a year and one at a time we'll bring them to you. And chapter 2 in, that, in, in the book of Esther tells us in chapter 2 in verse 14, it tells us that what they would do is a young lady would go and she would stay with him all night and then one of the eunuchs would come and get her and she would go into the house of concubines and unless he called her by name, that's where she would stay the rest of her life. So what an honor this young orphan had to get to be a concubine that somebody saw one time. I'm telling you, this girl had it hard. This wasn't an easy thing, even though she might have been both beautiful and lovely. And so we come to the place now that where she wasn't just in a foreign country and wasn't just in that situation, but the king had called her and he called her up for the night. It become her turn. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I, I really just, I don't, I don't see too much glory in that. But God in his providence gave favor to her. And I imagine that it had a lot to do with the fact that she was excelling in what she did. Do you know there's many times that you can be killing it and nobody around you know it? You can be killing it and it just seems like that the people around you don't realize that you're really killing it. And they may, may know, but your life seems to be falling apart while they're looking at you and saying, you've got everything. And she comes into this situation. And she comes into this situation where the king chooses her and he makes her queen. I don't know whether to be sad or happy for that reason, but I know God chose her. And this is something that we've got to understand is God chose her in this moment, the Bible tells us, for such a time as this to bring deliverance to a people. But that could not have been an easy place. So I brought you into this. I wanted to tell you what happened next. So you know the story. If we look in chapter 4, it tells us that he told them to fast 
And after the fast was over, it said, now it happened in, in chapter 5, verse 1. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robe, and she stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house. And while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the interest of the house, so it was that the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, and she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter, which was in his hand. And Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to the half of the kingdom. And Esther answered and said, if it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. And the king said, bring Haman quickly, that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared, and the banquet of wine. And the king said to Esther, what's your petition, that it shall be granted to you? What is your request? Up to half of the kingdom, it shall be done. And Esther, in her moment, after three days of fasting, after three days of prayer, after all this struggle and worry, she said, my petition and my request is this. If I found favor in your sight, king, come back tomorrow. What happened in that moment? What happened in that moment after three days of fasting and she was prepared to give an answer to the king to ask for the life of her people? You see, if we back up and we look, there was this evil man in the picture and there was this, her uncle was, was just a, a stellar individual and the Bible tells us that this beautiful and lovely girl still listened to the voice of her uncle. She did what he said. And that uncle had, had heard a plot about the king getting killed. And he told Esther, and the whole thing was stopped, but nobody said anything to Mordecai about it. Nobody said. And we come up with this situation right here, and all of a sudden when it seemed like that everything was lined up, when it seemed like that she was ready to ask the petition, all of a sudden there came something in her spirit that would not let her do it. And she had, my friends, a divine delay that happened in her life. Now you know that here's a little orphan girl that grew up with no mom and dad that was that was forced into this place where she was groomed to be either a queen or a concubine that happened to be a queen. And we know that she was beautiful and that she had a great countenance about her. She was obedient to her uncle, but there hadn't much else went right in her life. And she had put herself in this place and they fasted and prayed. And now this uncle that she's always obeyed that has told her to, to petition for the life of all the people because we're all going to be killed because of this decree that Haman has put out and she don't say anything. She don't say anything at all. She lets it go. My petition is that you would come back tomorrow. Can you imagine what was happening in her head? 
Some would say she got afraid. Some would say that, that, that it was fear, but I don't believe it was fear. I think that in that moment, there was a check that went up in her. I think that in that moment, what happened to this girl? God had put her in that place, but God wasn't ready for the next move. God wasn't ready. You see, she was the only one that could turn this crazy cat. She was the only one that could do that. But God wasn't ready for that to happen yet. Everything wasn't lined up yet. So Esther, you know what? You're going to have to endure this a little bit longer. So she had to go home that night. And can you imagine what is going on in this young lady's head when she goes home? I failed. I'm glad she didn't have text messages. If she had, I could see it now. But that, Mordecai, well, how'd it go? I didn't tell him. What do you mean you didn't tell him? Faith without works is dead, girl. And all these things that would have been happening between the two of them. And, and, and I'm, I imagine that she's praying and saying, God, what happened? How was I not? Why didn't we able to speak? Why did this happen? And I know that she had to be full of duress. But that divine delay was needed. Because in that 24-hour period, things happened that was miraculous that could not have happened otherwise. You see, in that 24-hour period, this is just some of the things that happened. It just so happened that when Mordecai, I mean, when Haman that had been exalted, this evil Haman that had been exalted in the eyes of the king, when he come out of that place, man, I know he was singing something like, skid dab diddly dee. He was happy, man. He had just went to a, a party with nobody but the king and his, and his beautiful queen. And he's on the way home and he sees Mordecai. Now, isn't that something? And the Bible says that he sees Mordecai, and when he sees Mordecai, Mordecai won't buy. And here's a man right here that's got everything that he could possibly own. He's got riches. He's got all these kids. He's got everything he could, could possibly want. But he goes home and tells his wife, none of this don't mean nothing to me because that one Jew won't bow. And his wife says, why don't you build a gallows 50 feet high? And in the morning, go tell the king you want to hang him on it. He said, that's what I'm going to do. And if there hadn't have been a divine delay, there wouldn't have been a gallow. And if there hadn't have been a divine delay, he would have never seen Mordecai. He wouldn't have never got ill. But in the same time, while he was having a gallow built, and he was making a plan to kill Mordecai, there's a king that was at home, and he couldn't sleep. And he gets up, and he says, somebody read to me a boring book where I can go to sleep. Have you ever read a boring book where you could go to sleep? Come on now. I'm telling you right now, you know what puts me to sleep? Not because it's boring, but anytime I begin to read the Bible, my eyes get heavy. The devil will leave you alone, man. You start reading the scriptures, you'll be like, mm -mm. you know, go ahead and go to sleep. He'll let you fall asleep in a minute. You start reading the scripture. But he picked up this Chronicles. And it just so happened that in this divine delay that he turned to the page where Mordecai had saved the king's life. And the king said, what did we do for that guy? Well, we didn't do anything. And he says, who is in the court? And in that moment, in that divine delay, when Esther was laying worrying, will I have the courage to do it again? And she don't know what's going on in their life. And she's wondering, how did I get in this place? Why am I in the place that I'm in? Haman walks into the palace. Well, Haman's in the palace. Call him in. Hey, what should be done to the guy that the king wants to honor? Well, he's got to be talking about me because I'm the coolest thing there is. And so he tells him this whole thing. You know what? You should just put a, 
to rope on a horse and ride him around town and have somebody announce that this is the man that the king is going to honor and make him second in command. And he tells him, say, yeah, you go do that to, to Mordecai, everything that you just said. Oh, my God. So he does that. And he goes and he tells Mordecai. He puts Mordecai on the horse. He leads him around. And, and, the, and the Bible tells us that he said... Whenever she went to, was ready to spill the beans, she couldn't do it. All these things happened in the divine delay. We built in this gallery. We couldn't sleep. All these things happened. Haman comes to speak on his behalf. Haman gets to honor his enemy. And the gallows is built. And listen to chapter 6, verses 11. I got to find it. This, this text needs to be bigger for old people. Oh, oh, you know what? When you said it right behind me, I didn't know what you're talking about. And now I realize it. So Haman took the robe and on the horse and he arrayed in Mordecai and he led his through horseback through the city square and he proclaimed to him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king honors in the light. And listen to verse 12. It says, afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate but Haman hurried to his house mourning with his head covered. And when Haman told his wife and all his friends everything that had happened, his wise men and his wife, whatever his wife's name is right there, Zaris, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of a Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him. And you will surely fall before him. But listen to this, while, while they were talking. You see, while is a time word. While was part of a divine delay that if it was not for that delay would not have played out. Now, I want to just tell you this. What would have happened if she had went ahead with that first request? What would have happened while they were speaking or they were still talking, the king's unit came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. So he goes into the banquet that Esther had prepared for him, and when he goes into the banquet that, that she prepared for him, you know what the Bible says. In chapter 7, the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, and this is verse 3. If I've found favor in your sight, let my life be given to me at my petition and at my people's request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be killed, to be destroyed, and to be annihilated. And we have been sold as male. If we had been sold, I would have held my tongue. Although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. So... The king said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who would dare to assume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, The adversary is this wicked Haman. And Haman was so terrified before the king and the queen. And the king rose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went out into the garden. But Haman stood before the queen Esther pleading for his life. For he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. And when the king returned from the palace, 
the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. And the king said, will he also assault the queen while I'm in the house? And as the words left his mouth, Haman, they covered Haman's face. They covered Haman's face. And then Horabonim, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, look, this guy built gallows 50 feet high for Haman. Or which Mordecai is made for, or Haman is made for Mordecai. And the king said, hang him on it. And they hang, hung Haman on the gallows that was built for Mordecai. They hung him on the gallows. There had to be a divine delay. Because if it were not for a divine delay, there could not be a divine reversal. And I'm telling you that God gave me this word for this body, that there are people in this room that he is wanting to bring a divine reversal in your life. He wants to, to bring a heavenly reversal. But in order for that, diverse, that, that reversal to come, there is a delay in the process right now that it may look like you losing it may look like things are you are not winning but it's just a delay and god says trust me in the delay trust me with what i'm doing in your life don't let your faith waver but keep your eyes upon me because i'm going to bring a divine reversal in your life and when i do there will be no time for the enemy to know what happened because even while the, the enemy is still speaking, I'm going to cover his mouth. I'm going to lead him out. I'm going to take him out of your life, and you're going to see such a divine turnaround. You see, my, my friends, I want to tell you that it's something that, that we have to understand that in the ninth chapter, in the last chapter, it says this, that many people, become Jews because of these things. Now, becoming Jews, what that means is they got saved because you can't change your blood and become a Jew. They began to believe in God. And I'm telling you right now that the way God has got this going ain't about you. It's not because of you. It's not something you're doing wrong. It's not something that you, that you need to get better at. But there is a delay for other people's sake that are in your life. There is a delay because God's given them one more chance to get their stuff in line. There is a delay because God says... I want to reverse this situation. I want to turn it around because I want them in my house too. And I need you to bear with me a little bit longer because I have set you, my beautiful and my lovely one, I have sat you in this and I have equipped you for such a time as this. And you will have the strength to hold on. Don't you question it when you don't have the words because there's times when I will shut your mouth when I'm not ready yet. Hold on a little bit longer. There is a divine reversal that is coming in your life. And when people look and they see how you did it and how you remain faithful, many people will hear your story And they will believe in the God that's in you because of it. 
Hallelujah. I want you to stand to your feet with me if you would. This is very unorthodox for me. I want to tell you tonight that sometimes it's the worst moments in life that the divine reversal comes. Sometimes it's the darkest time when it seems like there's no way to win. That's when heaven is famous for bringing the victory. And in those moments, if you're in one of those moments now when you can think of something in your life that you say, God, I don't see the way out. If you're in something in your life that you say, God, I just don't see how it can get better than it is. I want to throw in the towel. I'm telling you tonight that God is saying, Hold on. The delay that you see is coming down from heaven. There's going to be a divine reversal in your life. But I'm working on some stuff first. I'm working on some things. And all I need you to do is believe and trust me. You don't have to know what to say. Just believe and trust me. Just go home and thank God because I'm the one that's setting everything in order. I'm the one that's lining everything up. You see, I'm getting other people's hearts ready, not your heart. Your heart is ready. But I want to get the people's heart around you ready because I love them as well. And in verse 8, in chapter 8 and 24, and it says in many Many people believe because of this. So if you're here tonight and you're going through something, now you may not quite understand. And maybe it's lingered a little longer than you thought it should linger. This word's for you. And I want to pray for you tonight that your faith won't fail. I want to pray for you that you understand that what's happening in you is from heaven. And God's got this. I'm going to ask Mama to come with me. And I don't really care what is going on in your life tonight. What kind of situation you may have that it seems like that there has just been a delay in answer from heaven. Tonight, we're going to change that from looking at it as a bad thing to understanding that God has sent this. And if he sent it, it's for my benefit. For he said, I'll make all things work to good to those that love me. And if you're in a, in a situation where you don't know a way out, I want you to come. If you've got a situation in your life and you say, I don't understand it, I want to pray for you tonight. Because I believe that heaven has a divine reversal for your life tonight. And I believe that God is going to restore everything that the enemy has taken away.
Hallelujah.